Good morning, family, and welcome to the 25th Silver Anniversary of Strong Tower Bible Church. All this month, we will be celebrating with friends and family from across the country. Twenty-five years ago this month, Strong Tower Bible Church was birthed. From the YMCA to the Franklin Factory to Granny White Pike, God has been faithful to us. Psalms 118.23 This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. The Lord has been a keeper for strong tower. The Lord has been a deliverer for strong tower. Provider for Strong Tower Bible Church. We reflect on God's faithfulness towards us. Come on, Strong Tower, let's celebrate our Lord this morning. Happy 25th anniversary, Strong Tower Bible Church. And now it's time to get a word from the Lord. So would you turn in your Bibles to Judges chapter 9. And while you're turning there, I want to thank the Lord for the vision that he placed on this particular house. A vision to experience, explain, and expand God's diverse kingdom in the city and throughout the world. A vision based on Galatians 3, 28. And this past week, I got to see this vision play out um, as one of uh, the nine members of a task force that was selected by the county mayor of Williamson County. We met for a space of about five to six weeks um, to compile a report to send to the county commissioners concerning the Confederate flag that rests on the upper left quadrant of the county seal. Um, this seal has been in place since 1968. And as a result of one of our members, Dustin Cocter, who um, let his voice be known concerning uh, the need to remove possibly what is one of the most evil and heinous symbols in the history of the United States off of the county seal. So as a result of Dustin making a lot of noise and getting a petition going where over 10 to 11,000 people signed this petition, a commission was formed and I was selected to be on this commission, on, on this uh, uh, um, task force representing the religious community. And on Monday, 
the county commissioners, all 24, actually there were 23 that night, heard the report and needed to vote on it. And I'm thankful and glad to say that um, they received that report 16 to seven. So it passed. Um, and so the next step is to um, see the State Historical Commission review um, the, the proposal that was sent to remove the Confederate flag off of the county seal. And so, um, so we're seeing God's diverse kingdom um, being expanded, even as we confront unjust systems and even evil symbols. So thank you, Dustin Cochter, for your work. And we're going to continue to pray that our children can grow up in a county that does not have hateful, evil symbols attached to its seal. But then secondly, something else happened last week by way of God's diverse kingdom. Um, in Williamson County, once again, the school board was dealing with its chairman who had made some racist comments on social media. And uh, my sister-in-law, Alina Bell, serves on that board and has served for many years. And she and others on the board um, confronted this situation as well as lovingly confronted this man, Mr. Stillings. And uh, I'm so proud of her for speaking the truth in love. And I'm also proud of the other folks in our church who showed up at the meeting last week concerning uh, the shift in the power that that gentleman was removed from his position. Um, an African-American man uh, is now in that position. And my sister Alina continues to serve faithfully as the treasurer of the Williamson County Special School District uh, School Board. So again, God's diverse kingdom that we just don't say hallelujah in here. We say it out there, but we also represent the interests of God's diverse kingdom, which happens to be about justice and equity being displayed, especially when we speak of confronting racist systems, racist symbols. So we thank God for them. And also this past week, um, been a busy week, um, the United States Colored Troop Soldier that the fuller story has been um, pushing forward for the past three years. Um, it has had to go through a series of meetings with the commissions in Williamson County. And so we met with the Arts Commission and everything went forth unanimously. And we also met last week with the Historic uh, Commission, the Historic Zoning Commission, and everything went through with flying colors, even though there were some uh, uh, racist revisionists who rose up to try to um, stop what we were doing. They couldn't stop what we were doing because what we're doing is the truth. We're telling a fuller story. We're bringing attention to the African-American experience before, during, and after the Civil War, and we're calling unique attention to the United States Colored Troop Soldiers, who at the uh, recommendation of Frederick Douglass to Abraham Lincoln, these men were able to join the Federal Army and help fight for their freedom, as well as for the Union of the United States of America. And so we're making strides, and we're still believing that next year on Juneteenth weekend, we will be able to unveil and dedicate that statue. So great things are happening in Strong Tower Bible Church. I wanna thank you for who you are and for living out this vision that God has given this church, amen. So I hope you have uh, Judges chapter nine. I will begin reading at verse 50. 
And, uh, and before I read, I want to thank God for Pastor John Faison, who gave us a wonderful, prophetic, powerful, and practical word last Sunday. And next week, uh, a, a son of mine in the ministry is going to conclude our celebration month with a word from on high. And I thank God for Walter Simmons of the uh, Empowerment Community Church who will share. Uh, the brother married one of my daughters in the faith, Jessica Flemings, who is now Jessica Simmons. And it's an honor to have him and his church represented on our final Sunday for our anniversary celebration. But today you got your pastor and I'm excited to talk about why we are what we are. So let's buckle up and let's get ready for Judges chapter nine. I'll begin reading at verse 50. And the Bible says, then Abimelech went to Thebes and he encamped against Thebes and took it. But there was a strong tower in the city and all the men and women, all the people of the city fled there and shut themselves in. Then they went up to the top of the tower. So Abimelech came as far as the tower and fought against it. And he drew near the door of the tower to burn it with fire. But a certain woman dropped an upper millstone on Abimelech's head and crushed his skull. Then he called quickly to the young man, his armor bearer, and said to him, draw your sword and kill me, lest men say of me, a woman killed him. So his young man thrust him through and he died. And when the men of Israel saw that Abimelech was dead, they departed every man to his place. Now, before I give you the title to my sermon today, I need to call your attention to two buts that I see in the passage. Two, two buts that I see in the passage. <laughs> now, Strong Tower, get your mind out of the gutter. I'm not talking about but with two T's. I'm talking about but with one T. Two buts in the passage. And the first one is found in verse 51, where it says, but there was a strong tower in the city. And the second is found in verse 53, where it says, but a certain woman dropped an upper millstone on Abimelech's head and crushed his skull. So based upon those two buts, I have gotten my subject and my title for this message this morning. And my message is entitled Strong Women, Strong Tower. Strong Women, Strong Tower. Let me ask Daddy for some help. Father, we thank you for leaving us the word of God. We thank you for preserving it down through the ages and allowing us to have a copy of it in our own language. Thank you, Father, for communicating not only through creation, but also communicating specifically through your word and communicating ultimately through your son, Jesus, the word made flesh. We thank you, Lord, that you love to talk to us. And I pray that this morning our hearts uh, cry will be that we love to listen to you. So, Lord, might we remove the distractions? Might we focus in? Might our hearts today be fertile so that when the seed of the word of God goes forth, 
it may rest in fertile soil and produce fruit in our lives, some 30, 60, and even 100 fold. Lord, you've blessed us to be a blessing. We are disciples who make a difference. We hold high the name of Jesus. We're cross carriers. We are people who know who our Redeemer is and we live for him. So we thank you, Father. We bless you. And I ask that you help me preach and help me teach and help us all apply what we're going to hear today. For I ask it all in Jesus name and for his glory and all of God's people said, amen, amen. Strong women, strong tower. You know, when Jesus walked the earth, he honored and utilized women in his ministry in a way that was unheard of for a rabbi during his time. When most rabbis would be chauvinistic, misogynistic, Jesus was loving, intentional, and inclusive in terms of loving women with the love of God. And when we look at Jesus' ministry, um, there were women who provided him with substance because Jesus had no place to lay his head, um, he did not have money on his person, if you will, but there were many business women who supported his ministry to make sure that he got fed when he just wasn't, you know, multiplying fishes and loaves. So there were people, mainly women, helping him with his substance. And then Jesus would allow women to be the, the center of his sermons and his parables and illustrations, once again, in a way that the, the common rabbi would not and did not do during that time because most Jewish men were taught to pray to thank God every day that they were not a Gentile or a Samaritan or a woman. So this was part of their prayer life that they would thank God that they weren't a woman. But here comes this rabbi who didn't go to their rabbinical schools and he comes and he's from the north and they don't really want to respect him as he preaches and teaches and as he shines a light on women, allowing them to be heroines in his stories and in his parables. But not only through his preaching, but also through how he lived his life. Um, when the disciples uh, were chastising a woman, Mary possibly, we don't know for sure, but in the latter portions of the Gospels, as Jesus was on his way to Calvary, there was a woman who anointed him with costly perfume. And the disciples, they, they, they chided the woman because they felt that that costly perfume could have been sold and the proceeds given to the poor. Now, technically, they didn't con concern themselves with the poor. They just really didn't like to see this woman lavishing this kind of worship on Jesus. Uh, so, so they had a problem with her and Jesus had to say to his disciples, leave her alone because what she's doing, she's preparing for my death. And what she is doing, a memorial is going to be said about her from this time through the ages. So again, he honored this woman and he even had to protect her from his disciples. My goodness. And I love how that when Jesus died on the cross, women were present, but his disciples, his apostles fled 
Only John came back. But they all ran when Jesus was arrested. But guess who showed up at the cross? Not only his mother and Mary, of whom he had cast out several demons, but the women were there for him. And of course, when Jesus rose from the dead, it was the women who went to the tomb, not the men. The men were off hiding somewhere, but the women had the bravery, the courage, the wherewithal, the sensitivity to go to the tomb in order to wrap the Lord's body better than how Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus had done. So the women were in places that the men were not. So that even when Jesus appeared, he appeared first to a woman in his resurrected state. And he then told the women to go and tell the men that he had risen. In other words, he authorized the women to preach, to proclaim the good news that the Messiah was alive and well and to meet him in Galilee. And when the women went to speak to the men, the men did not believe the women. Oh, my goodness. So Jesus, Jesus, he had a way of including, honoring, validating women in his earthly ministry. And he did all of this without making one woman an apostle. So, so, so he honored the women, but he did not make one woman an apostle. Here's the point. You don't have to have a title or hold an office to play a significant role in the kingdom of God. I'm going to say that again. You don't have to have a title or hold an office to play a significant role in the kingdom of God. You see, although Jesus did not make one woman an apostle, in many respects, the women were more faithful to him than the apostles. So that's why at Strong Tire, we don't get hung up on titles. We're hung up for the one who was hung up for our transgressions. We're hung up on faithfulness and humility and service in this church, not titles. And obviously, Jesus was not hung up on titles and offices either. When we come to our text today in Judges chapter nine, we're going to see a woman that God used in, an, in, a, in a mighty and powerful way. Gideon had just delivered Israel and Gideon went on in his retirement to have upwards of 70 sons by multiple women. Um, and so he has all of these sons and and he has another son by a uh, 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 a loose woman. I, I forget the terminology right now, but let's say a prostitute. And uh, that son's name is Abimelech and Abimelech goes on a killing spree and kills all of his brothers except one. One escaped. And so he kills 69 of his stepbrothers, his brothers. He kills them all because he's trying to have a direct path to lead Israel after his father Gideon had done so. And as he is mounting his regime and as he's mounting this coup d'etat and as he's trying to get his power surge, he would have scoundrels and people from all over the place who would join up with him. And he conquered a city by the name of Shechem. Then he and, and when he conquered Shechem, he burned the people alive 
while they went into an underground refuge or stronghold. And he set branches over the stronghold, set it on fire and burned the people alive. And so when he came to Thebes, he thought he could take that city as well. And he stormed the strong tower, but <laughs> he, he, he was going to run into a lady that uh, <laughs> she was going to take him out. So, so, so I'm going to jump into this story and I want to look again at verse 51 and I want to read that for us today. Judges 9, 51, but there was a strong tower in the city. So, but is a contrast. It is a conjunction of contrast. The thought pattern is going this way, but comes in and takes it another way. So verse 50 talks about how Abimelech went to Thebes and he encamped against Thebes and he took it. But there was a strong tower in the city. You see, he took the city, but not the strong tower. You see, back in Bible days, you would have villages and you would have cities. And the way you could distinguish a city from a village is by the fact that a city would have walls built around it. But a village did not have walls. And so when there were walls, that was a city. And in these walls, there would be small watchtowers where watchmen would sit in the tower, in the wall, to, to see the advancements of an enemy. And if and when an enemy penetrated the outer wall, the people in the city would run to the strong tower. You see, the strong tower was built inside of the city walls and it was an inner garrison, an inner fortress, a place of refuge so that in case an enemy did penetrate the outer walls, everyone would run into the strong tower. So therefore, the strong tower was large enough in order to house all of the people in the city. So the strong tower was in the city for the city. The strong tower was there to protect the people in case the enemy broke through the walls. So the strong tower ended up being a place of welfare. And as we're going to see here in a moment, warfare, welfare in the sense where people would come inside to be safe. So the strong tower was a place of safety and strategy. It was a place of comfort as well as combat. So you run in for safety, but also from that strong tower, you wage war. And again, it was built inside of the city for the city in case the outer walls were penetrated by an enemy. And Abimelech came to Thebes and he took it. He knocked down the outer walls or at least got through the outer walls. But the people, the Bible says, fled all of the people of the city, fled to the strong tower and shut themselves in the strong tower, not weak tower, but strong tower. It was the strongest thing built in the entire city, the strong tower. And, and, and Solomon, who was David's son, the man that God endowed with more wisdom than anyone who had ever lived. Solomon used the strong tower as a metaphor to describe God. 
a, a physical illustration to try to describe uh, the awesome, majestic, limitless God. And so he uses the strong tower in Proverbs 18.10, where the Bible says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Did you get that? You know that that's where we got our name for our church. Proverbs 18.10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. So when people run into this church, yes, we want them to find safety. Yes, we want them to be able to get strategy and be taught and encouraged. But when people run into this church, we want them. We want you to run smack dab into the Lord. For the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run in and they are safe. When we run to the Lord, we are safe, which is why for us, the church is not so much a physical building. The strong tower is not so much a physical edifice. The strong tower is the Lord himself. Is anybody excited besides me? And I love how Solomon said the name of the Lord and in our English Bible, Lord is in all capital letters, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, meaning that this is the Hebrew name for God, Yahweh, which is transliterated over to Yehovah or Jehovah. And so this lets us know that this is God's covenantal name. This is the name that shows that God is the self-existing God. I am that I am. I will be what I will be. I have no beginning. I have no end. I don't look for anything outside of me in order to be sustained. I am the sustainer. I am power all by myself. I am the Lord, all caps. And so that's why I love when the writers of the Bible, when they're trying to explain to us this inexhaustible God, when they're trying to explain to us this transcendent God who sits outside of time, space, but, but yet he's very attentive to the things that we go through in time and space. This God, they attach uh, uh, postscripts to his name to try to describe him a little bit better, like Jehovah, Jireh, the Lord, my provider. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord who prevails in battle or the Lord who is my banner when I go into battle. Uh, Jehovah Roha, the Lord, my shepherd. Jehovah Rofa, the Lord, my healer. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord, my peace. Jehovah Sitkanu, the Lord, my righteousness. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who is near. Uh, all of these names so that we may have better perspectives and understandings of who God is. Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. He's all of that and a bag of chips. He's all of that and then some. He can't be defined by one name which is why we got to call him Adonai and the Most High and Elohim. Oh, our God is mighty. If you know his name, it gives you just a glimpse of his character and his personhood. Knowing his name can give us just a little bit of encouragement when we're going through. If you're sick, call on Jehovah Rapha. If you need substance, call on Jehovah Jireh. If you're fighting a battle, call on Jehovah Nisi. If you're going through some, something and wonder if God is there, call on Jehovah Shai. The Lord who is present, the Lord who is near. So he's all of that for us. The name of the Lord is a strong tower.
And so we see in this city there was a strong tower because when a strong tower is in a city, then that city has supernatural protection. When a strong tower is in a city that welcomes everybody to come inside of it, then that city has a chance to make it. When a strong tower is in the city, then warfare can be wrought and fought against the principalities, powers and wickedness in spiritual and heavenly places. In other words, the devil can get dealt with when there are holy people, God's people, chosen people, born again people, redeemed people, broken yet dependent people in a strong tower who come in to be encouraged and go out and make disciples and make a difference. The strong tower. Is anybody just as excited as I am in this 25th year of being a strong tower in the city of Nashville, but also having impact in the city in which we began in the city of Franklin and around the world? Thank you, Jesus, that you use us in spite of us. But there was a strong tower in the city. But not only that, but there was a certain woman in the strong tower that was in the city. There was a certain woman. Let, let me give you verse 53. But a certain woman dropped an upper millstone on Abimelech's head and crushed his skull. Huh. There was a certain woman. There was a certain woman. Now, now who? Is this certain woman? We don't know for sure who she is, but we know for sure she made an impact. She didn't have a title. She didn't have an office. She wasn't a judge in Israel. There were female judges like Deborah. The Bible doesn't tell us anything about her. We don't know her name. We don't know anything about her except God used her to deal with the enemy named Abimelech. We don't know if she's young. We don't know if she's old. We don't know if she's single. We don't know if she's married. We don't know if she's widowed. We don't know if she's divorced. We don't know if she's a married mom. We don't know if she's a single mom. We don't know if she is a mother. We don't know if she is still a daughter. We don't know if she's a grandmother. We don't know if she's a great grandmother. We don't know if she's rich. We don't know if she's poor. We don't know if she was a homemaker. We don't know if she was a businesswoman. We don't know if she was a prophetess. We don't know if she was a migrant worker. We don't know, which is why really she is every woman. <laughs> She is every woman because we don't know exactly what she is or what she did. She therefore represents every woman. In fact, this woman sang the song, I'm every woman, long before Shaka Khan ever stepped into the studio booth. Yeah, that's right. This woman from Judges 9, she sang, I'm every woman. And she said, I'm every woman. It's all in me. Anything you want done, baby, I do it naturally. Yeah, 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 that's her. This woman, this strong woman in this strong tower in Judges chapter nine. She was every woman. And this certain woman showed us three things about herself 
from this passage. The first thing we see about this certain woman is that she was strategic, strategic. A thought entered her mind once Abimelech penetrated the outer walls, came up to the strong tower and was going to try to set the tower on fire the way he had set the refuge on fire in Shechem. And so as he is doing his strategy, she has a strategy of her own to counter against him in order to gain the victory for the city. She knew what to do to take Abimelech out. She had strategic foresight. She knew where to go in order to defeat the enemy. No one else had the idea or the strategy that she had, which was to take an upper millstone and drop it from off the roof of the tower onto the head of the enemy. Nobody else had that strategy but her. And so in order for her to engage in this fight, she decided to go up to the roof. Now, everybody else, as many as could get on the roof, went to the roof, but she went up to the roof with a strategy in mind. She figured that fighting this battle from up top was better than fighting the battle down below. She said, I got to fight this battle from up top, not down below. And just because folk went up to the roof, that don't mean that they are ready to fight. And so she went up to the roof ready to fight this battle from heavenly places. You see, the stuff we get into in this life, the rigmarole, the minutia, the day to day grind, the issues, the problems that all of us face. And we've got to learn how to fight these battles from heavenly places. In other words, we got to go up where the most high is to get the most highest perspective in order to look at what we're going through through the proper lenses of eternity. Because if we don't do that, we're going to get into fighting matches and shouting matches. We're going to think the battle is against flesh and blood. But no, the battle is ultimately against spiritual wickedness in high places. And we can't fight that battle battle with carnal or fleshly human weaponry. So we must go up by going down in prayer. We must go up into the presence of God by falling on our faces and asking God to fight this battle for us, to fight these battles through us, to fight these battles with us, and even to fight these battles in spite of us. So this woman teaches us how to engage in warfare. This was a literal warfare, and when we go through our literal things, we need to go up high and talk to daddy and say, Lord, we need help, and he'll deal with the enemy down below. Not only was she strategic, sister girl was strong because the Bible says she dropped an upper millstone on Abimelech's head. And an upper millstone was attached to a lower millstone. The lower millstone uh, was probably three to four hundred pounds and it was stationary. It stayed where it was. And the upper millstone, which weighed approximately 100 pounds, would sit on top and it would be used for grinding wheat into grain and grinding other things. It was a heavy wheel and it was a, 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 a attached to, 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 to this thing that you would spin it with and turn it with in order to grind whatever you had on the lower wheel. So the upper millstone would grind as you would spin it and as you would turn it. 
And so this woman with the strategy was strong enough to pick up this upper millstone, a rock, basically, that weighed approximately 100 pounds. She had to get it up over the edge of the strong tower in order to push it and drop it with precision on top of the head of Abimelech. And I have to believe that just like God guided the stone of David to hit the forehead of Goliath, that God from heaven guided her effort to send that stone straight to the head of Abimelech. Now, I know the Gap Band sang it, but I think she sang it first. You dropped the bomb on me. She dropped the bomb on the head of Abimelech. She said, whoops, upside your head. This sister was strong and she used an everyday household item to destroy the enemy. <laughs> an everyday household item that no one is looking at that as a weapon, but she did. <laughs> It's something about mothers and women, ladies who know how to uh, turn regular things into supernatural things. Uh, uh, necessity is the mother of invention, not the father, but the mother. In other words, mothers have a way of inventing stuff, creating stuff and using stuff that most of us don't even know how to use. And so, so, so I remember my mother, man. She didn't use an upper millstone to discipline me and my siblings, but she knew how to use a dish rag. Oh, I remember one time my mother was washing dishes and I kept asking her something. and She said no. And I kept on asking. I kept on asking. And she said no. And in most houses, once the parent says, I said no. And that's it. It's no, because I said so. There's no explanation. And I'm asking why. I'm asking why. And I keep asking. She was washing dishes. She took that dish rag and smacked me upside my head with that dish rag, went back to washing the dishes without missing a beat. So I stopped asking for whatever I was asking for. And I accepted no, because that dish rag, my forehead was wet, not with anointing oil, but with dish water, because she smacked me upside my head with that dish rag. Now, to this day, Betty Williamson says that that never happened. See, that, that's another thing about, especially about black parents, they, they, they always deny beating you without, within an inch of your life. They, they always deny it. And so I'm like, no, I remember it because I still got trauma from it. I even remember when you threw a slipper at me. It, I was running, I was doing something I wasn't supposed to do. And, and, and she was wearing them house shoes. Can I get a witness? She took the house shoe off and flung that thing at me, hit me in the back of my head. And just like Captain America's shield, it then boomeranged back to her and she got it, put it back on her foot. Never missed a beat. Mothers can use ordinary stuff in order to deal with you. I mean, newspapers. Have you ever been hit with a newspaper before? So this woman, this woman, man, she used an ordinary everyday object as a weapon to deal with the enemy. And this woman was strong. She was strong. She was strong enough to lift the stone up over the wall. She was strong enough to be loyal, to be reliable and to be brave. Because if she was afraid, she didn't let her fear stop her from doing what is necessary. And that is the definition really of bravery. It's not the absence of fear. It is the presence of strength to do what is necessary in spite of the fear. 
In other words, your knees are knocking, but you keep on rocking. You keep on walking because what's on the other side of fear is your victory. On the other side of the fear is being obedient to God. And so if this woman was afraid, she faced her fear. So whatever you're going through, man or woman, boy or girl, face your fear and do it in the name of the Lord. Go in his strength. And thirdly about this woman, not only was she strategic, not only was she strong, she was symbolic. That is, she was a type of Jesus Christ. She was a picture of Jesus in the Old Testament. Well, why do I say that? Remember now, she dropped the millstone on the head of the enemy. And this points me to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, and I'll read this from the New International Version. The Bible says, this is God speaking, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. What's going on there? This is God the Father speaking a word of prophecy in the garden after the fall with Adam, Eve and the serpent, i.e. the devil present. And God says to the devil, there is going to be a fight between your offspring, demons and fallen people, sinful people and his offspring, righteous folk. And that there's going to be a woman who's going to come along and she's going to have a seed uh, in, according to the New King James and the King James. And we know that women don't have seeds. Women have eggs and they need the seed from the man to fertilize the egg. But this particular woman is not going to need the help of a man to fertilize her egg because it's not her egg. It's God's seed. God will put his seed in her through the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit and she will give birth to the son of God. He will be 100 percent man because he was born through a human, but he will also be 100 percent God because he came from the most high. And so there would be someone coming from a woman, Mary, who would come and wage warfare against the devil's seed or against the devil himself in order to buy back, in order to redeem, in order to rescue the, the Adam's family, the sons and daughters of Adam who fell into sin and fell into death and fell away from God. There was going to come the last Adam who would redeem, buy back through his death on the cross in the place of the sons and daughters from the Adam's family. And he would rise again from the dead. And in the midst of this battle, the seed, capital S, Jesus, would suffer a blow to his heel. But the serpent, lowercase s, would suffer a blow to his head, to his skull, meaning that he would be utterly defeated through the cross, through the blood of Jesus Christ, and the victory would be won. So God prophesied all of that. And when this woman Drop that millstone on the head of the enemy. She was personifying, typifying Jesus Christ who saved us from the enemy. This woman saved that city, saved that strong tower from Abimelech. My God, my God. She is a type of Christ. So that day, a strong woman made that strong tower stronger. And look how God works this. He doesn't even let the millstone kill Abimelech immediately because God is going to deal with this man's pride even before he dies. 
because it says in verse 54, after he, his head is crushed, but he didn't die immediately. The Bible says, then he called quickly to the young man, his armor bearer, and said to him, draw your sword and kill me, lest men say of me, a woman killed him. Well, guess what we're saying today? We're not saying his armor bearer killed him. We're not saying that he committed suicide or he slipped on a banana peel and fell down a cliff and died. No, we're not saying that about Abimelech. We are saying after thousands of years that a woman killed Abimelech. So even in his final moments, rather than repenting, he maintained his arrogance and his pride. And the last thing he wanted was for it to be said that a woman killed him. But guess what you and I are saying right now? A woman killed that clown. A woman killed that dude. And she did it in righteousness. And she did it for God's people. My, my, my. So that was a strong woman that made that strong tower strong that day. And as I close my sermon, I want to say that strong women are what make this strong tower strong. I said that during the anniversary month, we wanted to celebrate God, but we also wanted to honor men and women. And today I want to honor some of the strong women of Strong Tower. I emphasize some. I want to honor some of the women, the strong women of Strong Tower. Why am I doing this? Because this church would not be what it has been, what it is, and what it will be without the strong women of God in this Strong Tower. This church wouldn't be what it is and what it can be without God's daughters in this place. I mean, wrecking havoc on the gates of hell without God's daughters in this church holding it down when the men may not be holding it down the way we ought to be. The sisters many times are more faithful than the brothers. And so I want to thank God for the strong women in the strong tower. I want to start off with the elders wives. Man, I'm talking about Kay Van Fletteren and Tammy Ozeen, Tony Smith, Carolyn Revere, Donna Lewis, Sharon Smith. I want to thank God for these strong ladies who often lead in quiet strength. These women have made their presence known and felt in this church. They are servants of the Lord. And in order to serve, you got to be strong. And I want to thank God for these women who are all Proverbs 31 women in their own right. Uh, women who have gotten behind their husbands and even released them to come and serve as elders in this church because that's no easy task. Because when you start serving as an elder, as a leader, that means you get shot at first and you get shot at most. And so their, uh, uh, their homes, they've opened up to extra attack from the enemy because they have allowed their husbands to serve as elders at Strong Tower Bible Church. And when those brothers get hit, the shrapnel can hit those sisters and hit their homes. But because they love God and they fear God and they believe in what God is doing in this church, these wonderful women have allowed their husband. And I say allowed because if a man does not have his wife's permission and support to serve as an elder, they're not going to serve as an elder. 
Because again, when that man is serving, his wife is serving, even though she doesn't have an office or a title. My God. So thank you, ladies, for who you are. Thank you, ladies, for praying and standing in, in the gap. Thank you, ladies, for how you teach and how you serve and how you give. Thank you, ladies, for doing what you do. And then I got to thank God for the women on staff at this church. We've got Felicia Mason, Jewel Gibson, Afra Clark and Lasagna Thompson. Ladies, thank you for, for, for doing what you do. Ladies, thank you for holding down your areas of responsibility and doing so with excellence. Thank you for doing what you do as unto the Lord and not unto me or Pastor Jerry, but you serve the Lord first and foremost. And it is evident in what you do and how you do what you do. And we would not be a fine oil machine. We would not be the church that we are without your presence, without your input, without uh, uh, what you bring to the table. So, ladies, on the staff of Strong Tower, I thank God for you. And then we've got women in our church who are in education. We got some smart sisters in this church. We got women with PhDs and doctorates in this church, man. So don't play with Strong Tower. I'm talking about Stephanie Steele, Mona Ivy Soto, Tiffany Russ, Siobhan Smith, Robin Allen, Shakita Ratliff, Kathleen Murphy, Joyce Davis, Adriana Clemens, Crystal Jones, Abby Wallers. I'm talking about women in our church who teach Women in our church who are qualified and prepared. Women in our church who, who are thought leaders, who are educators on so many different levels and areas. We thank God for you. And then we have women who are in the medical and mental health areas. And I'm talking about Deaconess Loretta McDonald, Diane Hancock, Karen Braxton, Ruth Edmonds, a wonderful dentist in our city, Shanika Robinson, Michelle Sellers, Brenda Williamson, Nanette Butler, Narcissus Cheatham, Denise Bell, Valerie Mitchell, Althea Shelton, Maritha Soul, Monica Littlejohn, Gina Iser, Jillian Quilty, Rahab Marshall, Casey Walker. Again, I, I can't mention everyone, so forgive me if I didn't mention you, but I thank God for the women who serve in the medical and mental health areas, being a difference out here. And then uh, we've got women who are entrepreneurs. And I'm talking about my girl, Ebony Funderburg, Tempest Merriweather, Megan Pollard, Shani Dowell, Michelle Kennard, Melody Aguayo, Jamise Lurcius, Arlena Clausey, Tabitha Sanders, Tamika Collier, Ritz McCain, Shannon Patterson, Anita Charlton, Tammy Taylor, Jennifer Higgs. Again, women who are making dollars, women who are making change, women who are making a difference, women who have great business acumen, women who are out here doing it, y'all. And God's put those strong women in this strong tower. Then we have women who are civic leaders who are out there serving uh, Lena Bell, Kim Davis, Jessica Butler, Monica Smith Ashford. So lawyers, police officer and, and, and those who engage in on the civic realm, 
Oh, man, we, our ladies are sharp. Then we've got women in ministry, which really all of our ladies are in ministry. All of us are in ministry. But I got to highlight just a few here. Debbie Hall. My God. Eileen Stallard, Lauren Rayburn, Felicia Knox, Mary Warren, Lily McLean, Susan Robinson, Erica Allen, Danielle Hancock, Amy Wolf, Carmen Johnson. These women who are in ministry whether it is national or international, but definitely in this church. And again, there's so many I could call. Uh, but now I want to go to adoptive moms. Oh, boy, adoptive moms. And many of our mothers have adopted cross racially. And, and, and the thing about these categories I have, many of our women fit into multiple categories. So I'd be here all day trying to make sure I got all the categories. But I want to give honor to whom honor is due. And I want to honor Beth Claudier. Tracy Ralston, Gwen Oatesfall, Jennifer Pillsbury Aiken, Courtney Cochter, Mariana Merritt, Colby Baker, Amy Etherly, Rachel Knox, Missy Smith, Miriam Brooks, Laura Beth Dennis. Y'all, y'all, we are blessed with strong women in the strong tower. But then we've got women who are overall champions and survivors, women who have endured all kinds of things, but they're still standing. They're still here. They're still saved, clothed and in their right mind. Women who overcame resistance because of God being on their side. Women, women, women like Charlotte Nicholson, Heather Green, Bev Cassis, Raven Allade, Kim Freeman, Kristen Vinton, Crystal Daughtry, Anya Lockhart, Denise Chimley, Janetta Jones, Megan Finn, Melissa Kidd, Danielle Hancock, Rhonda Stewart, Ray McDonald, Little Loretta McDonald, Vi Jones, Taya Jones, Tirsa Jones, Torian Jones, Viva Price, Tanisha Stinson, Carol Walton, Kit Perkins, Robin Floyd, Fronda Buckley, Leslie Roberts, Donna Ellis, April Johns, Tammy Bullock, Melissa Kidd, Savannah Collier, Sharon Taylor, Shannon Silva, Ebony Oputa, Megan Finn, Eka Udamana, Erica Hearn, Leslie McGillberry, Alfreda Harris, Karen Puckett Stevenson, Heather Fishback, Maddie Wooding, Carol Walton, Pat Parker, Christina Harrison, Aisha Davis, Erica Anderson, Miriam Brooks, Hope Anding, Sydney Britt, Sharon Donahue, Shatirica Perkins, Abby Fitzgerald, Trainice James, Samantha Lacey, Charlene Mania, Patrice Rogers, Lori Allen, Amber Byram, Sandra Davenport, Jennifer Higgs, Stacey Ann Holland, Jada Johnson, Kelly Kennedy, Pamela Kiambe, Jana Langdon, Hannah Ballard. I could go on and on. So if I didn't mention your name, please forgive me. But ladies, I see Jesus in you. I see the Lord's strength in you. And this church would not be strong without the strong women in this church. So I honor you today. Oh, my God. Thank God for bringing you to this church, just like Esther, for such a time as this. Your pastor says, 
bless you. Your pastor thanks you. Your pastor loves you. Thank you, God. But you know, that was one name that I did not mention. You know, that was one name that I did not include in those various lists. Because for me, I've got to save the best for last. So I've got to talk about my bride, the first lady of Strong Tower Bible Church, Darina Noel McFarlane Williamson. My wife, this December, will be 29 years. And I thank God that God brought her into my life and then brought her into the life of this church. We, we met in college, and when we met, we didn't like each other. It was not love at first sight. In fact, it was jokes at first sight. I was joking her, her sister Alina, and another young lady named Crystal. I was just joking them because I was a freshman at a Christian college, and Darina was visiting the school as a potential uh, uh, college student. And so I'm a big time freshman at this Christian school, but I'm living a double life. Man, I got one foot in and one foot out. I really don't know who I am. I, I messed up. I'm a follower. And when I saw these holy girls, I didn't know what to do except joke them. But I'm so glad that when she came to church, came to the college, her freshman year, my sophomore year, God had dealt with me and transformed a brother. So when I came to school my sophomore year, I was called to preach and I was ready to go. In fact, I was looking for a girlfriend, uh, was dating the wrong girl for a second. And somebody prayed me out of that relationship. Now, I don't know who prayed me out of that relationship, but I think her initials were uh, DM at the time. Uh, uh, DM uh, uh, prayed me out of that relationship. And as we started dating, I saw that this young lady was a committed disciple of Jesus Christ. My wife loves Jesus and she loves Jesus more than anything or anybody. She is a worshiper. She loves God. And that made her that much more attractive to me. Yeah, yeah, she was fine and all, but man, her heart for God, it just messed me up. And it made me want to run faster in my walk with God and grow in my spiritual relationship with God because that's what she was and that's what she still is to this day. So I had to make her my wife. There were a couple of clowns trying to ask her out and all this stuff. This is before we became, you know, boyfriend and girlfriend. There were some dudes that was trying. I said, nah, let, let me let me go ahead and get in front of these cats. So I got in front, I asked her out, she said yes. She's been saying yes to a brother ever since 1988. Can I get a witness up in here? Then we got married, man, I proposed to her. Uh, it was a cool way, I I'll tell you about that another time. But man, I proposed to her, man. We got married in 1991, beautiful bride. Uh, and, then, and then we had our first child in 1993 and I watched her give birth to our son, Dante. And uh, I, I, I never got so close to the birthing area again after that uh, uh, with the other three kids because what I saw changed my life. I'm still uh, working through what I saw. Uh, I, need, I, I need therapy for what I saw. And, but, but she gave birth to all of our children and looked good doing it. 
and I watched how she raised these children, how she prayed for them in the womb, how she read to them, how she gave them medicine and fed them and took care of them. What an amazing woman. And then I saw her uh, go from being a homemaker to being a stylist, helping other women feel good about themselves. And, and then she started writing. She started writing and God bless where her, her books have now been published nationally and even internationally. And, and, and y'all, she's, she's got another big deal on the table. Multiple companies have been pursuing her as of late. And boy, we, we're going to make an announcement soon. But the girl is bad with a pad and a pen. And she's speaking more. Uh, she's going out there. And, and had COVID not hit, I believe she would be out there like all of the other big name speakers that you hear of. My wife. And I said to God, I said, God, it's her turn now. Let her go out and let me carry her bags. Let me drop her off at the airport. Let me pray for her while she's gone because the girl can talk. The girl can do it. And I'm just so proud of her. And I love her so much. And when we started this church 25 years ago, she wasn't the first lady. She was a church planter, just like me. We didn't know what we were doing. We just wanted to obey God and love people. And she jumped in there with me. And when people attacked me, the shrapnel hit her. People came against her. Man, we, we had people come against our children. But never once did she want to return evil for evil. And here's what you got to know. This woman is my rib, my rib, because God took the rib to make Eve for Adam, right? She's my rib. She's my rib. Close to my heart, man. She's my rib. And when a man has prime rib, he don't need a spare rib. And this woman not only is my rib, she's my backbone. And it showed up this past weekend when I found myself in the emergency room. I was having some heart palpitations that just weren't right. Went to a clinic and they sent me to the emergency room. And uh, when I went to the emergency room, she was with me, obviously, right? She's with me. She, she, she wouldn't even let me drive. And so we, we go and, and, and they wouldn't let her in because of COVID and other security reasons. So I'm in there by myself. But I know <laughs> my rib <laughs> is just out that door. I know she's just outside and I know she's praying for me while I'm in here dealing with the unknown. Ah. So they send me back to one of the rooms and, and they let her then come in. And she comes in and she sits with me. And she sits with me while I lay on this gurney. She sits with me and she sits with me while I'm waiting for doctors to come in. She sits with me. We're waiting on a word and she sits with me. And I'm telling her, honey, go home. I'm good, go home, go be with the kids, go home, baby. And you know, she wasn't trying to leave a brother. She's like, no, I'm staying here. And so she stayed so long, she fell asleep. And by the time it hit 1.30 in the morning, I'm like, babe, you, you need to go home because there's a storm brewing and all of that, go home. And so she went home. She listened to me and went home. And then the next day she was right back up there in the morning about to go off on some of them nurses that didn't take care of a brother. They didn't give me no breakfast. The lunch was late and she was ready to lean on somebody. But I had to, I had to call off, baby, don't do it, don't do it. <laughs> but that's my girl. And then, of course, drove me home on Sunday evening and has been taking care of me.
give honor to Darina Williamson. God is so good to me to give me Jesus, <laughs> but he's also good to me to give me Darina, whose name in the Greek means gift. God gave me the gift of eternal life and abundant life through Jesus. And God gave me the gift of marriage and a wonderful wife through my bride. And the Bible says, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but I know a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And I believe that friend that sticks closer than a brother is a man's wife. Thank you, Jesus, for being so good to me, for giving me that strong woman to help me serve this strong tower. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the women in this church. Thank you for the women who lead. Thank you for the women who are courageous, who have overcome so many obstacles to do great things for you. They have multitasked to the 10th degree. And I thank you for them. I pray, Lord, fresh oil, fresh anointing on them. I pray, Lord, for healing on their bodies, for those who may need healing. I pray, Lord, for doors to open that no man can shut. I pray, God, for favor, goodness, and mercy to follow them. Every entrepreneur, every teacher, every civic leader, Lord, I pray those in the medical field, legal field, I pray a blessing. For those who are unmarried, I pray you bless them and continue to give them great contentment. Thank you, God, for what you're doing. We love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, guess what, y'all? That just about does it. It is time for this particular worship service to come to an end. Now, our worship is not going to come to an end because we are perpetual worshipers. Uh, the Bible says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. So if you're breathing, you're worshiping. So worship is not bound nor limited to a worship service. Worship is a way of life, enjoying God, enjoying his presence, being a living sacrifice, not just on Sunday, but every day throughout the day walking with the one who said he would walk with us. That's worship. And when you find yourself in a predicament and you want to cuss and you say, I'm going to bless rather than cuss, that is worship. When you find yourself in a predicament and you want to receive, but God is telling you to give, that is worship. When you're in your car and the Holy Spirit stirs your heart and he says, Remember that passage. Remember that Bible study. Remember that devotion. Remember that song. And the spirit hits you in that car and you begin to praise him and worship him. That's worship. So as we leave this service, we are not leaving the presence of the Lord. We will continue to worship him because we were created to give him glory. So let's go out today and let's enjoy him. Father, thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your kindness. Thank you for birthing this church 25 years ago, Strong Tower. Thank you for creating this community, this group of broken people, living stones from various hues and backgrounds and understandings. You've brought us together in your son, Jesus Christ. And we just wanna say thank you that we get to be a part of your kingdom and this local church. 
called Strong Tower. Lord, would you bless us during this pandemic? Would you continue to meet every need that we have? And Lord, we do long for the time where we can meet together physically because we miss the hugs, we miss the tears. Lord God, so I pray that you would bring us together soon. So would you provide a supernatural remedy, healing for this virus? Would you raise up the leaders? Would you raise up the solutions that we need in order to come together in the future? In the meantime, might we love our neighbor well by wearing masks? Might we love our neighbor well by maintaining proper social distance? Might we love our neighbor well by praying for one another and, and doing kind deeds towards one another? So thank you, Lord. You are the best thing that has ever happened to us. And we thank you, Lord, that we get to know you and worship you and make you known. Bless your people this day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah, somebody. God bless your strong tower. And we'll see you soon. Matter of fact, we'll see you today, right? I hope y'all can come out today. Come see you, Pastor. I'd love to see you. Amen. God bless you. Love you so much. Thank you for joining us today at Strong Tower Bible Church where Dr. Chris Williamson is Senior Pastor. We hope you enjoyed worshiping with us and will join us next Sunday morning right here for our 1030 a.m. service. Be sure to stay informed on upcoming Strong Tower Bible Church events and activities. Download the Strong Tower Bible Church app in the App Store or visit our website at www.strongtowerbiblechurch.com. We pray you have have a blessed, wonderful, and safe remainder of the day. And we'll see you next week, same time, right here at the Tower. Just run.